Petersfield's Shine Radio. Hello dog lovers, welcome to Dogs With Jobs. It's November, it's getting cold and rainy and I'm bringing you another interview actually this month from um, that originated in a country show. I went to a couple of country shows um, earlier in the year and they've been wonderfully fertile ground for fascinating interviews and this is the last one and it's rather fitting really because this is with the Southdown Bloodhounds which you've probably never heard of. And the reason you've probably never heard of them is they are utterly without controversy. (laughs) They're tucked away in a barn in a village just outside Petersfield. And um, and of course, they don't hunt artificial trails or anything like that. They hunt humans. So uh, every time they go hunting on a Sunday through the season, they have human runners who will take off in their trainers. There's no nothing artificial about it at all, just a clean human or two or three. And they 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 go after a pre-planned route that's been agreed with all the farmers and um, and try and lose the bloodhounds by zigzagging away or going in a slightly unconventional way leaving a kind of puzzle behind for the bloodhounds to follow and they very very rarely manage to lose the bloodhounds because the bloodhounds are the kings of the scenting world and that's why I found this such a fascinating interview because I've been thinking recently I was walking my beagle at the weekend with a very dear friend and her two flat coats and we were talking about the fact that we live in one world with our dogs don't we but they have another dimension to theirs which is the world of scent and I've never heard it so clearly articulated as by Jeremy Whaley my guest on this month um, who's worked with hounds for such a long time decades and loves them and is interested in them and there's so much to know so it's with enormous pleasure that I'm going to play you this Uh, it was recorded in a horrendous rainstorm and I'm hoping that the sound is okay and you can hear the years of experience and insight that come from Jeremy I felt that I was halfway to a canine world when I was talking to Jeremy so full of insight and knowledge is he about hound work so I hope you find it fascinating Um, and here we go time. Bitches in one, dog hounds in the other. <laughs> Exceptional dog, absolute genius. Called Dollop. I'm here with Jeremy Whaley and we're talking about the Southdown Bloodhounds and we met the other day, didn't we Jeremy, at yep. the Allsford show yep. where you were doing a parade. Do I call it a parade? Yeah, hand parade we call them. Hand parade. And so I've come up through the rain. It's the most appalling weather. I've just seen all your hounds and they were being very noisy because it was uh, nearly feeding time. That's right, yeah. (laughs) Imagine they're going to get fed now. What is it all about? Give me a little overview of of what hunting with bloodhounds. Well, for different people it's different things. But for me, it's all about working with the hounds. Uh, both in kennels in their training and also in the sport out hunting as well so it's for me it's all about hound work 
And of course, for probably for the majority of people who ride with us, it's about riding. Yes. It's being able to cross country, come across natural obstacles. And uh, because the route is pre-planned, um, it, it gives them a better ride, a longer ride. You know, they're guaranteed to get a hunt. Okay, so let's set the scene a little bit. I know that you used to hunt to hounds with foxhounds for yeah. a long, long time. Yeah. So this is a bit of a departure. Yeah. Why is it different from uh, hunting with foxhounds for all those years that you did? Uh, well, I hunted foxhounds for 23 years and actually loved it. I only ever hunted foxhounds for one reason and one reason alone. I enjoyed the hound work. Yeah. Uh, I was hunting hounds in Scotland, uh, foxhounds in Scotland, um, uh, up to 2002. They changed the law up there. You could still hunt foxes with foxhounds, but you had to shoot, have people around the woods shooting foxes as they came out. I saw more cruelty in one month than I'd seen in a lifetime of fox hunting, and that wasn't for me. I didn't hunt because I enjoy killing things. Mm. So I had to find something else, because I wasn't going to go on with that. Whatever happened, that was the end of it. I wasn't going to hunt anymore like that. I'd had um, some experience. I'd seen a bloodhound pack many, many years ago, and, um, and I thought, well, I'll just go and have a look at that and see what it's like. Yeah. And I went and saw various packs to try and get some idea of how it was done and whatever. And they all seemed to do it a bit different. I saw the Kogan bloodhounds being hunted by a chap called Nick Wheeler, uh, who sadly we lost last year. Um, and what he was doing was exactly what I wanted. He was hunting a pack of bloodhounds on a human scent and hunting it naturally and working with the hounds. And I thought, well, you know, it's, it's not what I'm used to, but I could probably just about get used to that and enjoy it. Well, when I started doing it, I, it was amazing how much uh, technique, how much um, there was to learn about it. It, it really is pure venery. You, you are hunting a human being. And, all, um, and you can only hunt the one human being. When I say one human being, sometimes we hunt one group of people. So just for anyone who, who can't imagine that, this basically means that your quarry is a bunch of people that run. Yep. You set them off on a pre-planned route That's right. across we, country. We agree the route with the farmers and landowners, yep. so we know we're not going to cause any damage. Mm -hmm. They get a map uh, with a route marked on it, and... Um, and so, you know, they just enjoy it. It's like orienteering under pressure, basically. Yes. Uh, they get anything from 20 minutes, have done up to an hour's start. So the, the quarry have to be pretty fast runners? No, they don't. No, no, walk and a jog, you'll get quite a long way in 20 minutes. Okay. Um, especially if they try and throw the hounds off. We don't want them just to run straight. Right. Um, so it's kind of like a puzzle for your bloodhounds, then? Yeah, yeah. And is that part of what because, the hounds enjoy? Because, yeah, it's, it's, it's what I enjoy. I, what, I don't enjoy it so much. Well, I do enjoy it when they're just running flat out and speaking. Yeah. But what really, the bit I absolutely love is when the hounds lose the scent and I just sit still on my horse and I watch them. And you watch them cast maybe one side, they can't find it, and they'll swing around silently and they'll come back and they go out the other side. And all of a sudden, one hound will hit it and, and open what we call speak. And then all the hounds will draw together like pulling on a purse string and away they go again. And for me, that's, I get a real buzz from that, watching them work it out. And sometimes, of course, they, they, don't, they might hit it, but not with a scream. It might be a very weak line because it might be on what we call foil, uh, dirty ground that sheep have been on or, or other people have walked So on. the human scent is there across the top, but it's not as clean and easy to follow for the hounds. No, well, it's very variable. I mean, sometimes it's there and sometimes it's not there at all. Right. And when it's not there at all, the hounds are very clever 
what they learnt, what they have learned is that where the quarry has run, it will taste, will smell different from either side where the quarry hasn't run. Where the people have run over the ground, they've broken all the, the grasses, the herbs, and whatever, yeah. and that will release a, a smell that isn't there on either side. So but that's when they, kind of powers of deduction. That is actually, yeah. isn't yeah, it? It's very clever, yeah. But of course, it does mean that there are so other things could have done, gone over the ground, so they could go wrong. And that's why the bloodhound huntsman, he must know the basic route. Right. It's no good setting off not knowing the route at all. Because the hunt, bloodhound huntsman, he's really a referee. The hounds are in a contest to try and stay on that line. Yeah. Uh, and that's their job. And they may lose it, and I as the referee, I'll stand and watch. Uh, and then they'll go away again. But if I know they're going wrong, then it's my job to step in. Because you've got the bigger picture and you've yeah. got the followers on yeah. horseback and yeah. you've got to keep the show on the well, road. Well, yeah, but the main consideration <laughs> is you don't want the hounds going where they're not allowed to go and you don't want the hounds um, putting other people or things at risk, like roads and whatever. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, and although I know the route, people say, oh, it's no fun because you know, you know the route. Well, actually, no, that's not true. When I hunted foxes with foxhounds, I didn't know where the fox had gone. So I couldn't help them even if I wanted to. Yeah. The biggest problem when you're hunting bloodhounds is you think you know where the quarry has gone. And if you're going across a 100-acre field, they might have gone across the left, they might have gone across the right, they might have gone up the middle and then turned right halfway across. So, so the quarry has the discretion to zigzag across if they feel like oh yeah, it. Oh, that's what we want them And to is do. that what you want them to do? Yeah, we, is we that part of the brief? We want them to try and lose the hounds. I mean, it very rarely ever happens that they completely lose the hounds, but just occasionally, if they're very clever, um, <laughs> they can get, they can, they can stump them. And so, how long is a hunt then? It, this time of year, it's very short. It's up so to, we're talking in September, early September. This is the period I call tub hunting, <laughs> and I call it tub hunting because it's the end of the summer. And my quarries have all got a bit tubby. Yeah. <laughs> So, <laughs> Those so, are human runners. That's it, indeed. <laughs> They've all been sunning themselves on the beach somewhere. Right, so they're, they're all a bit tubby. And so we have, and the hounds aren't as thick. And also, we've got young hounds being what we call entered. Mm. That means they're starting to learn to hunt. Yeah. So the hunts are quite short, yeah. half a mile to a mile. Uh, we'll have four or five of those. And um, then uh, as the season wears on, the hunts will get longer, up to three to five miles. And we'll only have about three of those in a day. Okay, so that's the same kind of arc as you would have on traditional hunting or on beagling or anything, yeah, yeah. as everyone gets fitter through the season, or, or yeah. any sport. So tell me about the hounds, and I mean, this sounds as though it's fun for them. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, they absolutely live, live for their hunting. Yeah. I mean, um, the, I, there's, a, there's a dog hound out there called Rumpole, <laughs> uh, one of the dog hounds, and when I feed... Rumpole will stay in what we call the lodge, which is the bit where they've got their bed. Yeah. And I, and I draw all the other hounds one by one through the gate. We start off with the skinny ones and slow feeders, and they come through one by one, one after another, until they're all in there feeding away, and that's the way we keep their weights level. And Rumpole, he'll stay in the lodge until I call his name when, when I'm feeding. If it's a hunting morning, if I started up the lorry, when I go to open the gate, because again I have to draw them through one by one yes. to make sure I've got the fit poles, Rumpole will be right at the gate, and he know, he knows he's going hunting. So uh, yeah, they, so they live for the hunting. I'm intrigued by that though. So so that's how you keep the weight level. Now I'm assuming 
that you want a level pack ideally. Yeah, yeah. What, what's a level pack? Explain for anyone who didn't know. Well, uh, when feeding, you you um, you want to you want them to say that ribs are just covered or maybe just see an outline of their ribs but what you don't want is what we call their pin bones on their bottom yeah. sticking up uh, yeah. you know you want you want it's quite difficult with bloodhounds they're quite diff- tricky to feed yeah um, but that's the, the way we do it is by drawing them through singly uh, greedy ones last skinny ones first <laughs> so how many do you have in I've, your barn uh, I've now I've currently got 22 and a half couple which is more right. than I've ever had before but I want to keep usually I want to keep around about 20 couples in kennels altogether yeah uh, so I'm, I'm only just slightly over yes and t- talk to me about the numbers then like what's the age span of the hounds that you have at the moment um, well we've got some young puppies who are about six months old mm. um, and then all the hounds in the main part of the kennels they'll all between, be between one years old I think probably seven, eight is the oldest in the kennels. Okay. And we're quite lucky because they are, you, I think you probably saw all the show. Yeah. They've got such wonderful temperaments. Kids can climb all over them, pull their ears and pat yeah. them or whatever. So when they're no longer suitable for hunting, or if they don't make it hunting, which is actually very rare, yeah. if, if they don't, don't show an inclination to hunt, or they've, they've got too slow to really keep up, we've got a waiting list of people who want to have them and retire them at home. No, I, I bet you have. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. I mean, that the children were all over them. They were just gorgeous. And there's something. I, d- I don't think it's my imagination. They're like people, aren't they? Oh, yeah, you can, yeah, yeah. They have such clear personalities. Because again, the thing is, the, hu- the hounds love humans. Mm. Human gives them everything they want. Gives them uh, food, shelter, but most importantly for the hound, gives them sport. Yes. And so, when they when a hound sees someone, basically he's saying, "Are you going to run for me?" <laughs> and um, so he just, they just love human beings. So, what makes a, a good hound? What, what, you know, with your talent in your pack, can you can yeah. you say that? I mean, you, um, I, I know the answer to this <laughs> a little bit because you've shown me a beautiful what looks like a charcoal. Is it a charcoal yeah, or a pastel? Yeah, pastel, I think. Yeah. Tell me about this hound. Well, this ha- this as, hound as part of telling me about how yeah. what makes a good one. This hound is Dollop or to give him his full title, Dollop 07, because 07 is the year that he was entered to hunting, started right. hunting. He got so good that um, there were various things he could do. When they came to a check, he was straight straight away on the line and away. He'd barely ever go over go over, um, over an inch over the turn or whatever. But quite often, when you're t- tub hunting in the summer, and it's really hot and dry, mm. and that, those are the most difficult scenting conditions. Yeah. And he'd get up to half a mile in front of the other hounds, uh, not quietly. He'd still he'd be speaking, but because he was just pushing on the whole time, and had the line, he he would go on. And he was also very clever. When we hunt, if we come to what we call a road crossing or a track crossing or whatever, and you've got, inevitably got a load of spectators standing yeah. there. And the hounds would run to the spectators, and they would all say, "Oh, great, we've caught the quarries," but they haven't. The quarries have gone on the other side. This dog would never stop at the people. He'd zigzag through the people, out the other side, and away he'd be on again. How did he manage that? Was that because of the experience of hunting? He knew he was after something different than the spectators. Yes, he his nose was it a better was, nose. His nose was telling him that his quarries were not amongst those people, and he was looking for them. And so he'd go through them looking, can I smell any of the ones I'm supposed to be hunting? Yes. And he'd f- find the line out the other side, and away he'd go again. He was absolutely outstanding. Yeah. 
So when did you first encounter bloodhounds? You know, um, how did you how did you get involved in bloodhounds? And well, the very first time I saw them, I was I was whipper into the New Forest Hounds as a very very young man, and a chap called Neil Waits who started the Coke and Bloodhounds. He brought his bloodhounds to the New Forest Kennels for an open day, yeah. and he gave a demonstration hunt around uh, the local around the local area, uh, on foot, funnily enough, as well, and that was pretty impressive. Um, but um, because of the scenting ability of the hounds, it's, it, that's, that's it was right. That yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's not like drag hunting or trail hunting, where a smelly substance is applied to the ground. Yeah. This is a clean human being mm-hmm. just running. Yeah. They've never, in my case, some people introduce them to them at the meet. Some people show them a smelly jumper of the runners or whatever. Yeah. I came to it from a, um, com- com- as a complete open mind. Yeah. And I tried experiments to see, was all this showing them the scent or the runners, whatever. Was it absolutely necessary? <clears throat> so uh, I decided um, I would get the quarry to r- go to the start, not even come to the meet. Go to the start and just start while we were all at the meet. Hang on, so that's tougher for your hounds than other situations, isn't it? I, I mean, if I, they I, haven't I, had a scented article... Well, or the, a... the honest answer is I don't really know, because I don't know if you show... Like, the ones that do... Some of them put a jumper on a stick, yeah. and they take the hounds up to the jumper on yeah. the stick, and they show the hounds the jumper. But are the hounds really saying, oh, yes, that's what we're going to hunt? Or are they just saying, come on, let's get on with it, you know, yeah, stop you fooling know, about... But what I do know is that the way I do it, I go to, it's got to be what I call a clean start. You go to a gateway and the quarries have started in that gateway. Nobody else has walked across that field or anything else has has gone across that field. Um, And that's the most, it's what I call a clean start. That hundred yards has to be clean Mm. because when I get to the gate, I get to the gate and then I make them all stop and wait. They're not allowed to go. Mm. They have to stop and wait. And they'll all be making a terrible noise to start with. And as soon as I tell them to wait, they'll all stop speaking. They'll just look at me really, really quiet. And I'll say the words, Tallyo, which is the only time I'll ever say those words. Yeah. And before I got to ho, they'll be gone. <laughs> and they'll race across the field and they'll all be screaming their heads off. They're racing across the field. And you watch them. You, you mustn't go after them. You'll sit still and watch. And you'll watch the hounds get halfway across the field and you'll see the leading hounds. Like, they t- Have you got it, mate? No, I ain't got it. Have you got it? No, I ain't got it. And all of a sudden the cry will stop because they all realise they haven't got the line at all. And then they'll check and they'll, like, they'll cast one or the other until somebody hits the line. And by and casting, you mean going outwards in an arc? They'll, in swing, an they'll swing right or left or they might even come back towards me. And do they naturally work as a team in yeah. that respect? Yeah, once... Once one hound's got the line, they're all jealous. That's what makes them speak. Yeah. They want to be in front. And that's why they're all going, yee-haw, let's, you know, we, we want to be in front, I want to be in front. So within the pack, it, the hounds are essentially competing with each other for the scent. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah that's, what, that's what drives them. And that's why they never turn off, even when you finish that hunt and you're hacking to the next hunt. Mm. You'll see them always trying with their nose, trying to pick up another line. And that's why... The most important thing about hunting bloodhounds is hound control. Yeah. Well, to... I was going to ask, how, how much control do you have? How, to what extent are they doing what they live to do? Yeah. And to what extent are you directing them? You, you don't direct them. You don't teach a mm. hound to hunt. You only teach them what not to hunt. Right. 
and that's that's the way they learn. If they know that they'll they'll learn, a puppy will learn very quickly. There are times when the old hounds go away speaking and hunting, and their and their alpha male, i.e. me, yeah. is happy with it. Yeah. And and there are times if if they if they do what we call riot, which is hunt something which they're not supposed to be hunting, then <clears throat> I. You know, I, I can hear your voice. Yeah, you have a good yeah, shout at we had them. A busy, it started, <laughs> I had a busy day last Sunday. Um, yeah. And then I will shout at them and tell them off. Yeah. And then they, 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 suddenly, after after six or eight, eight hunts, um, or de- hunting days, the puppies will suddenly learn, hang on a minute, that smell makes him happy, that smell makes him cross. Yes. And, and that's how they learn to focus on the one smell. Are they very focused on you, personally? Only, only, if, only if I want them to be. Mm. Um, they will be going to the for, to start of the hunt, um, and but once I let them go, they'll be totally focused on that scent, on that line, and that's why we carry whips. It's not uh, to hit them with. Uh, if they get on the wrong thing, we can crack the whip, which makes a really loud bang, and that makes them look up, and then we've got their attention and we can stop them. And you have your mix of older and younger hounds. How did you? How did you start? I started off with... If all the younger ones learned from all the older ones <laughs> and you started the pack, you didn't have any older ones. I, first of all, I got some older hounds from, from, an, from another hunt, okay. uh, particularly the Coke and Bloodhounds, which yeah. was an absolutely brilliant hunt. But they were old. and um, What's uh, old for uh, a Bloodhound? Uh, probably about six, seven years old. Okay. You know, well-established, but yeah. uh, possibly coming to the end of their hunting career. Right. And, um, of course, they, they were slower as well. So I started off with those, and then I started to breed some puppies to hunt with those, and and so the whole thing starts to snowball, uh, and the pack gets bigger and bigger, and um, yeah, and that's how it all gels. And tell me, because I mean, how often would you see bloodhounds as pets? I mean, I've never yeah. seen one outside Southdown. No, I mean, so. fortunately, they're quite. They're quite hard to get hold of a purebred bloodhound as a pet. Yes. And the purebred bloodhound is not a good pet. They Why have not? they have too many health problems. Um, they can have they can have. I'm not going to say they all have. They can have bad eyes, bad ears, bad hips. Mm-hmm. Uh, they suffer from a condition called bloat, which is fatal. Right. Um, and um, so they're not they're not easy pets to, to keep. But we crossbreed bloodhound well. Originally, they were crossbreed bloodhounds with foxhounds, right. and we get a hybrid, and we don't get this eye problem or ear problem. They live longer, they live healthier. And, and presumably uh, they're a little faster? And they're faster, more agile, yeah, yeah, much more agile. So have you kind of settled in breeding-wise to what you what you find works well? Yeah, I mean, breeding hybrids is, is a nightmare because within one litter you can have half of them cobs and half yeah. of them thoroughbreds. Explain what cobs and thoroughbreds <laughs> are for the uninitiated. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> half of them could be very heavy hounds, very heavy slow hounds, yeah. and the other half could be really fast like racehorses. You have to quote with a lot of variety because that's the way they, they come out. Uh, we, don't, we don't cull puppies at all. Mm. Um, whatever they come out at is what we will use. Right. And, but what we do is that, that the really fu- when we get into the season proper, we're doing long hunts, all the fast hounds will go on the first hunt and the faster and slightly slower will go on the first and second, go on the second hunt. Okay. And then the really slow hounds will join in <laughs> on the third hunt. So it, there's, there's skill involved in produce, producing the hounds for each hunt you're going to do. We'll 
what we call pick up or put down hounds, depending yeah. on, on what, what sort of hunt we're going to be facing. I mean, there are some hunts that will cope with a really long hunt really well, mm. so they can stay down, but it, you get some hounds who can't really run up, what we call run up, run up with a pack after after about two miles or whatever. So we won't put them on that hunt, we'll, we'll wait later on. And I guess you can customise the planned route to what you want to do. Yeah, we we don't tend to customise the route for the hounds because it's easier to customise the hounds for the route. Yeah, I've I've seen them all in your barn, <laughs> and they sound very happy, very noisy to be living on top of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. In this way, but I mean, you know, you know them all. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, they've all got names. Do you have favourites? Uh, I try not to. <laughs> the important thing is for them not to know you've got favourites, and even more important. If you've got a hound that's bad, for them not to be constantly on at them the whole time, mm. um, because they are they are very sensitive. They pick up on your moods, mm. and if somebody else has upset me outside of hunting or whatever on the day, and I get and I get cross or whatever, the hounds will sense it, and uh, and they'll they'll react slightly differently as they would as if I was happy. So you've got to try and balance your mood. And you mustn't have favourites, and you mustn't have hounds you dislike. You've yes. got to try and treat them all the same. And how do they get on together? Um, well, there's always any pack. There's always there's there's leaders, and there's there's those at the bottom of the ladder. And there's always those challenging the whole time. Mm. And uh, they, you sometimes you hear what you think is a fight, mm. a tremendous amount of noise. And sometimes you, I mean you might have seen it all for show. They'll do it, um, but it's all noise. Mm. Um, they might even posturing pin, yeah yeah they're all saying you know i'm bigger i'm stronger than you but at the end of the day i'm the boss and so when i say stop they stop uh, because they know i am the boss and that's it and how does it compare do you think for your riders and how many riders would you have so you've got two to six people running as quarry you've got how many would you take out on a later in the season when everyone's how many riders? Up a bit. How many riders and how many hounds would you take out? Every hound that's fit to go will go every day. So, yeah, oh, okay. We don't choose, we don't You're choose. not picking and choosing. No, no, no. no. Uh, this time of year, we had, the first day we went out, we had 21 and a half of 22 couple out. Okay. Um, and we're down to around about 19, 19 and a half. That takes into account lameness or in season. Yeah. So, uh, with the numbers I keep, I should be able to keep the average up to around about 15 to. 18 couple I hope on every single hunt on every single hunt every day yeah, yeah. okay you must have a very happy bunch of hounds then if <laughs> yes. they're all going out all the time oh yes yeah no, no you know the devil make the devil makes work for idle hounds that's, <laughs> that's the same <laughs> and what about riders how many riders would you have typically oh, that following could be anything I mean we, we've had quite low numbers during top hunting about 20 people 20 riders okay. uh, our record is 126 different bits of country will accommodate different numbers of people right so when you're on the chalk downs um you know that will take huge numbers of riders without causing any damage because you've got the big grasslands and yeah, yeah. And, and also it's it's chalk it drains freely yeah. so it's, it's never going to be muddy but if you're in the clay wheeled then you've got to reduce the numbers down to 50 or so or even less yes and presumably that has an impact on how on the speed of the hunt generally and on the scenting and yeah. everything, I yeah, guess. Yeah, yeah. So, scent is a funny thing. You can never really predict what scent's going to be. Uh, there are certain things you look for, but they don't always. What, what would you look for? Well, 
if, if you're driving to the meet, especially in the old Foxhound days, if, if all the black, if all the hedges look really black and sharp, everything looks sharp, you can be pretty sure that's going to be a good scenting day. If it's all hazy, it's all sort of blurry, and I'm not talking about the night before, I'm talking about the actual, <laughs> what you can see, um, then that's always a bad scent, a dreadful scent. Uh, then you look at a chimney, if the smoke's going, coming out of the chimney, going straight up in the air, so's the scent, that's going to be a bad scenting day. If the smoke comes out the chimney and just sort of flops and hangs there, that's going to be a great scenting day. I mean, the fascinating thing, particularly about hunting bloodhounds, is um, it did happen with uh, fox hunting as well, but more noticeable with bloodhounds and that is if you get a quarry running along the top of a hill or uh, where it's got a really steep slope the scent will roll down the slope we can't see it mm. but if you watch the hounds they, they, they go across onto the hill and then as they run across the hill they'll start to move down the hill following the scent down the hill and so if the quarry is then the other end turned downhill the hounds will actually catch up on the quarry quite a bit because they've already started going down. But if the quarries have turned away over the hill the other side, the hounds will run... Will be and running it'll take them slightly and, wrong. And eventually they'll get stopped. They'll have to come right back up the hill and catch the line at the top and then go away again. So scent moves either through the wind or through gravity. Yeah, I mean, this is obviously your passion. Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no. You know, that's why I love it because, you know, you, 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 never, you, you will never know it all. <laughs> you learn something new almost every day. And also you'll watch, and the, the wonderful thing is, is to watch hounds, you know, Fido who's been absolutely useless. Uh, it's, it's a young hound. It's absolutely All of a sudden one day you'll see Get the spark so. light and, and, and you'll see it. All of a sudden it's got the idea. And, that's, and again, that's just wonderful to watch them, them sort of suddenly get it. And when they get it, of course, they love it. They, <laughs> is there a shift in how they move? When they when they lock onto a scent, yeah. if that's the right expression, when they find the line, yeah, yeah, and they all get together, they'll, yeah, they'll, they'll do their best to get together, but they yeah. will inevitably get strung out. A lot depends on the weather, especially yes. this time of year. We've had some very hot days so far, and some of the hounds have, some of the hounds can take the hot weather no trouble at all, and some really struggle with it. Mm. So they can get strung out over quite a long distance. Um, if um, and is that good or bad, or is bad. it just right? Yeah, yeah, you you, you don't want that. You tend to find that their, their, their description is slightly optimistic, shall we say. Uh, <laughs> all hounds will get strung out, but a hound can only run as fast as its nose. Yes. So even if, even if it's got the body of a greyhound, yeah. if, it, if, it's got a, if it's got a poor nose, its body is useless. So that's why I always breed for work. Yeah. Only breed from the best working hounds. And if they happen to be a bit ugly... So, so be, be it. it. So be it. And yeah, which makes perfect sense. So yeah. if it's a good scenting day, yeah. they'll presumably be able to go faster. Yeah, yeah. But of course, it, it's it's not even just nose because the thrill of hunting isn't just how fast the hounds go. Um, it's also about the cry as well, and cry is so important in bloodhounds because they're not natural speakers. A lot of purebred bloodhounds who hunt the clean boot don't speak at all. Uh, it's only by crossbreeding them that we really get this wonderful voice. Okay. You want them to speak. If they didn't speak, they could go faster. Mm. So you only really want to breed from the ones that have good, good voices. Yeah. And that will again slow the pace back again. Because it's never a problem with bloodhounds that people say, oh, they're too slow. Yeah. Uh, uh, they are quite fast enough. Although they wouldn't actually be as fast as a foxhound. Yes. Um, in terms of running. But their nose will keep them going forwards all the time.
I like your focus on you breed from the ones that work best. And that's why I've got no show hounds here at all in the, in, the, in the coast. If I was invited to take my hounds to some of these hound shows or whatever, I would probably take some along just for, just for the support, because there isn't a lot of bloodhound packs around. Mm. We want to promote it, so I'd take them along just for the social How many side. are there? Because, I mean, thinking about it, it's 16 years since the hunting ban, isn't it? Yeah. And this must be something... This must be how... It's growing. It, it is growing. Yeah. They, they tend, the trouble is... <laughs> It, it's expensive thing to set up. Yeah. So if you're trying to do it from from um, scratch, yeah. um, you you either need uh, very deep pockets or prepare to have a very limited lifestyle, shall we yes. say? And uh, so I, I'm not sure. I, I think it's all, it's always been around about twelve packs, but it might have gone up slightly now because there's two. That's not a lot in the UK as a whole, though. No, no is it's it? not. No, it's mm. not. It's it's an unknown sport because uh, it's not <laughs> controversial. We get no publicity at all. So yes, but that's what I think is so lovely about it. Well, yeah, that, you yeah. know, you and you've got and you can participate as a runner or as a rider or as a follower and supporter. And that's what makes it a great family sport. You know, yeah. we've got families that some of them ride and some of them run. You yeah. know, and some of them just watch. Yes. So it's a it's a great family sport. And absent the controversy that. You know, yeah, dogs yeah. the traditional sport. Yeah, yeah it's no. got to be a bright future, hasn't That's it? Right. Oh yeah, no, I, I think it is absolutely the future. Mm. In terms of appeal to huntsmen, because you can't have a pack of hounds without a huntsman. Yeah. Um, most huntsmen do it for the hound work because the future is always having people interested in the hounds. Because mm. without the hounds, you don't have any hunting. Yeah. Well, I think they're absolutely beautiful and i was i was very taken with them they're just fabulous to work with they really are. not yeah. so much on days like today days like today i tend no, to question i've got to say the the rain why, is... why am i doing it <laughs> yes but you know why yeah yeah get, get to a hunting day and it all goes right jeremy thank you okay no great it's nice, been awesome nice, nice to see you nice to yeah. talk to you so there we have a peek into the world of bloodhounds and I did feel that I was stepping into a different universe um, when I went and talked to Jeremy who lives you know they're, they're all living right by each other the hounds and they're so individual um, I'm going to put some photographs on the web page which is shineradio.uk forward slash dogs with jobs um, that I took of the hounds when I was at the show and some um, other pictures that Jeremy's kindly shared with me so you get a sense of it. There's a very long waiting list for retired bloodhounds and you can see why when you're up close with them. They are absolutely human-like. It's uncanny. You know, old photographs of Clement Freud, if you remember Clement Freud, come to mind when you're up close and personal with a bloodhound. They've got these folds of skin and this extraordinarily expressive face. Um, <laughs> and the way they react with each other and to each other, rather, um, it is very human. It's like watching a bunch of people. That's the funny thing. So um, I hope you enjoyed that and uh, keep the introductions coming. I think we've probably had enough of uh, hunting hounds for a little while. Um, coming up, we've got hospital visiting with a beautiful therapy dog. Um, I'm hoping my truffle hunting is going to come off. Um, the weather's been so wet and uh, I've got lots more interesting and incredibly impressive working dogs coming up so please follow me or subscribe on your podcast stream and keep the introductions coming because i love to meet working dogs have a great month
When you listen to Petersfield's Shine Radio, the children of Sheet Primary School will keep you on time. It's 16 minutes to 7. It's quarter past 5. Through the day, every day, their young voices keep Petersfield running like clockwork. It's 27 minutes to 12. It's half past 6. Shine Time is sponsored by Pickets and Purses for the timeless beauty of new and vintage jewellery in Petersfield. It's 29 minutes to 3. Shine Time, only from Petersfield's Shine Radio.